Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Thanks for joining us today. We're here with David Osorio, the owner of CrossFit South Brooklyn. And uh, CrossFit South Brooklyn is, and I, I say this, even though our friend Wolf works across town at uh, uh, Solus, New York, I say this without hesitation, CrossFit South Brooklyn is the best gym in New York City. Uh, Thank you. So I wanted to ask Dave how and why. How and why? How and why? Where did you, how did this thing start? <clears throat> how did you decide to, uh, to build this? Why can you drop weights in your place in New York City and nowhere else in, in, yep. on the whole entire five boroughs allows you to, to drop a bar? You know? So this is really the only place you can train heavy in New yeah. York City. Yeah. So tell us uh, about it. Yeah, so for me it started... Um, I mean, the, the concept of having the gym started, like, when I was in high school. Um, I started training out in the weight room there after school, started bringing some friends. Seemed to make sense. This was kind of my trajectory. Um, and I thought, you know, my, my ultimate goal was to work for myself. Um, and then if I do what you do when you get out of high school. I went to college for my exercise science degree. Um, <laughs> Which adequately prepared me yeah. for the real world and the rest is history, obviously, right? <laughs> adequately prepared you to set pins at Gold's Gym. Yeah, I remember every, every year I'd be like, all right, so when, when are the secrets of the universe revealed to me? And when, when do they actually you know, apply some practical, applicable programming advice, some progressions, you know, and it's just... When do I learn something here in, the, yeah. in this college degree about exercise? Yeah, when do I leave a class feeling... Adequately prepared to train somebody, um, and that never happened. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, um, I had no problem. Through, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think some universities have a little more of a research bias. Some have a more practical bias. The one that I went to, Westchester in Pennsylvania, kind of skirted the line between the both of them poorly. You know, so the research, which might be the norm, I don't know, but it, it certainly wasn't. I didn't leave with any real. Uh, skills that I could apply well, that you didn't bring with you or, or, yeah, or obtain on your own. Right. I learned more, you know, at the YMCA training people than I did in any of the classes that I took. And you know, it's a tragic shame. We hear this from essentially everyone yeah. who shows up at the seminar with an exercise science degree. It doesn't matter if it's a graduate degree or an undergraduate degree. These people show up and they tell us when they leave that they learned more in our little 25 contact hours than they learned in their, in their entire degree about the practical reality of programming exercise, the how yeah. and the why, the logic behind programming, the yeah. logic behind exercise selection and execution, all that stuff. They tell us that they have wasted a lot of time and a lot of money on a four-year or possibly a six-year degree, and I... You know, I, I wish that were not the case. And this is why we uh, always recommend uh, for a person that is interested in being in the coaching profession that you prepare yourself with a hard science degree, a biology degree with a physiology emphasis or some other hard science because you are going to waste your time yeah. on, in the other part of the campus that is supposed to be teaching you what it is you're trying to learn because they're not going to do it. 
you're going to be disappointed. You're going to come away with a, a bunch of wasted money and a bunch of wasted time. That won't happen if you go ahead and break down and just get the degree that makes you go to math. Yeah. You know, take the math yeah. courses, get it over with. So, because it's college. Yeah. It's college. It's supposed Throughout to be hard. I, I have uh, advised against a good handful of people who are interested in career changes who would come to me like, hey, this is what I want to do. So my next step, obviously, is to quit my job and go take a get a four-year degree, right? And I've I've hopefully saved a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah, I hope you have. of their money in the process. But um, in 2004, I was introduced to CrossFit um, through a police officer buddy of mine that I worked at the YMCA. And in that time, part of this actually, a little, as a little side note too, my little adventure here, I had for a minute, I thought I was going to go into physical therapy because I was a little bit disillusioned by the exercise science curriculum and what I was getting out of it and what I thought that I, I should have been learning. So my natural next step was to go towards, you know, physical therapy. So what I actually did is, because what you do, the, the requirements for a PT program, you know, you got biochem, you got higher levels of physics, there's other prereqs that you have to do. I actually, in my university, started a PT track because what I realized that based on the curriculum that I had been doing, I would have had to add at least a semester or two to get the prereqs to go into a, a, a DPT program. Just to level up, sure. Yeah, so what I did was I, and there was a handful of people in my in my uh, major who were plan on doing PT, but there was no real guidance about how to go there. Um, so I created this kind of track that, you know, they have advertised now that you can go and if you want to be a T, PT, these are the steps you take. I was cleared of that, um, of that desire by working at a PT clinic and seeing what actually happened there. Um, <laughs> I was a PT aide for maybe six months, um, and the majority of my time was straightening up the beds, giving people their little hot packs, watching them wash the walls, kick the air, right. and it was just a completely disillusioning process. It was not what I thought it was. You know, whatever, every place is different, but, you know, this place they come in, what's your issue? They print out a script, you know, these are the five exercises you're going to do for the next 45 minutes. And uh, it was, it was just dreadful. And it was I think that so is obvious. really the norm for outpatient PT clinics. Yeah. Uh, it really is. It's a, it's a shame. Patrizo and I have talked about this a yeah. lot and uh, we've discussed it with several of us. Several of the the people in our system that are in fact physical therapists, and, and that is the norm. Yeah. Uh, for outpatient physical therapy, it's a giant waste of time, and people get into it thinking that they're going to go in and and make a lot of things change, and get yeah. people better. But the uh, uh, your experience uh, is common. the The approach to physical therapy is so conservative. Yeah. And and pays absolutely no attention to the stress recovery adaptation mm -hmm. relationship upon which our program is based. That it is not capable of making anybody better. Anybody that gets better in outpatient physical therapy just happened to heal up. Yeah. And uh, that's... Despite that's, the PT. Yeah. In spite of the fact that they were yeah. you know, just wasting a bunch of time and money. The only people that make out uh, are the people that get paid. Yeah, and that's a that's a that's a shame. It's a terrible shame. People complain about how expensive healthcare is. There's a good place to start right there. Yeah, the greatest stress that anyone got was walking up the stairs to that facility, mm -hmm. and maybe walking back down on the way out. Right, was was the primary and stimulus they were. How they, they should have billed for it, huh? 
Yeah. Um, but no, <laughs> walking so up the stairs, five. there's a protocol. Walking down the stairs, there's another protocol. That'll be $40. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I was there for about six months and I spent most of my time trying to keep the place looking tidy and bored out of my wits. And there was a trainer in the corner and he would do, you know, some funky stuff with like Bosu balls or whatever, but he would squat and he would deadlift, <laughs> full squat and he would deadlift. And I felt myself profoundly more interested in that, what he was doing kind of, so I came kind of full circle to it. I thought the PT was going to, again, reveal the secrets of the universe. It wasn't, I was completely disillusioned by that. So luckily I dodged a bullet. I left that, that track and, um, you know, it's the, the plan had always been to still have my own gym. Um, so I went to, I finished my, my degree. I interned at a speed school for a little while um, in Jersey. And then I, oh, actually, I got my CSCS too. Because, of course, that's what you do of course. after four-year degree. Of course. You know, so I, I, I read the, uh, what is it, the Essentials of Strength and Conditioning. Yeah, their little book. And uh, is studied. Is the studied word deadlift in that book? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I know there's a book on programming for strength training written by uh, our friend Tudor Bampa and his buddy Gregory Hoff that completely omits the word deadlifts. <laughs> deadlifts aren't, the word deadlift is not featured in any book on strength training. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I went and I sat for my CSCS, which I got. And I immediately, again, was completely disillusioned by, um, again, hoping for, okay, well, I went through this degree and this is my foundation and I'm going to get the CSCS. Um, it's the gold standard, Dave. Right. Yeah. And again, I sat for this test and which is just a mishmash of questions and videos and you walk away, you know, you're kind of half a, a track coach, half a strength coach, half something else. You know, it's not really, it's not really anything. And then I thought, and then as you know, the, I would get the, the two journals, which I would read, which I would attempt to read. I would read yes. the headlines yes. and I would go, there isn't a single fucking thing here that will ever affect anything I ever do inside of a gym. Um, well, not only that, but the things that, that are published uh, in those two journals are most normally incorrect. Yeah. One way or another. And uh, this is... Uh, the reason I let my CSCS drop back in '09 is because I just I just couldn't stand it anymore. Here they've, and the I remember the the paper that first started me off in the direction of writing all this stuff was a was a paper that was that appeared in probably 1999 uh, in the Strength and Conditioning Journal, the the uh, the coaching journal as it were, uh, on how to period, and I'm not making this up, I know you people are going to think I'm crazy, but there was actually a paper, a 10-page paper on there, how to periodize your abdominal training. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, this is mind-numbingly stupid. There's just not, this makes so little sense that it, and yet, here it is in the literature. It was published by these fools. And yeah. then, the nail in the coffin was the, was the was the article that appeared in I believe it was the last quarter of 08 maybe first quarter of 09 uh, that uh, in the uh, 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 JSCR the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research about uh, 
bench press 1RM. Bench press max done on a bench <coughs> versus done uh, on a BOSU ball. And their conclusion was it's the same that there is no difference. There's no difference. And I thought, well, I'm done. This is, yeah. this is, uh, this is so <laughs> utterly and absolutely pointless. This is trees died for this. So yeah. I, 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 I wrote in. I had that same, that geez. same, uh, ethical conundrum seeing this stack of journals in the corner of my apartment being like, well, this is a fucking waste, you know? Yeah. It's it's a waste. It it really is a waste. It's a waste of time, money, effort, attention span, everything else. And we need to get past this nonsense, this paying homage, as you guys say in in New York City, to uh, this idealized, extremely low-level standard of, uh, of what constitutes the the uh, the accepted uh, certification for this industry it's it's ridiculous yeah. so uh you got past that and and uh have ended up doing very well in this wonderful gym you've got there in uh in uh, in Brooklyn you're yeah. on uh DeGraw Street yeah uh those of you uh watching this that are within uber distance Need to go by, and uh, and look at this place. It's a fabulous gym. He has uh, David has expanded into another space across the street at uh, at uh, uh, about the same amount of square foot. So he's got two extremely yeah. nice facilities there, and uh, uh, we go there at least once a year to hold a seminar, and uh, we do. Uh, uh, a lot of people, a whole lot of good there, and David has hosted us for years now. Yeah. And uh, what have you uh, observed? Uh, that, here's another interesting thing about Dave. His staff, everybody on his staff is a is a starting strength coach. He uh, obviously sees the value of that credential. What do you uh, do? You have any nice things to say about our little education program, Dave? Yeah, so I think that so we have to to be technically correct. We have eight of eleven of our coaches are starting strength certified. Um, to I think to I had one who's not taken it yet, but I know coming into it. So so when the first edition came out, that was profoundly significantly uh, influential in my. My my coaching, obviously, my programming, my own training, et cetera, um, the pedagogy, the the insight into how to look at lifts in terms of just the basic mechanics of it, basic efficiency, um, which you would think would have been taught again in a four-year university but was never really mentioned um, to, to consider these movements analytically like that. But um, so I saw the value in it. I kept up with it. And that was for anyone who came on, we would – the, the book was required reading um, for anyone who's on staff. We've all gone through it. And then after going to the seminar and having been through a variety of other seminars in the fitness industry, um, I was, wow, this is, this is not bullshit, you know? And, you know, as you say, you, you identify talent, you don't create it there. Um, because I don't, I've always been very cynical about certifications. Like you sat for something for a weekend. I don't, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, You know, that's the way all of these things are approached in the, in the rest of the industry, you can take most of those certifications online. Yeah. No, no examination of any aspect of your ability to coach yeah. ever enters into the 
ever even enters into the process. And yeah. ours is the only certification that requires a demonstration of your ability to actually coach these movements before you can even sit for the exam. And it's, uh, you know, it's been a, uh, a extremely useful weeding process. Anyone with the SSC credential has been determined by us to be able to coach you. And, uh, and over the years, we've done nothing but tighten it up. We've made it harder and harder every, every year to get, this, to get this credential because we want to preserve the integrity of uh, the quality of the credential. If you're being coached by an SSC, uh, I know him. I know her. I know the people that have this credential. We have watched them work, and they can do the job. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's very important, and we intend to, to keep the quality at that level. Yeah, and it's definitely something, the volume of coaches that we have with that certification, I think, is something that we're, we're definitely proud of. Um, I don't know of any other gym that has as many. There, there are, there's not another gym with that many. I'll tell you that right now. You have the most on staff of any, any starting strength gym, any gym in the world. So something else. So I think a lot of people are operating within a CrossFit gym facility setting if they don't have the means or gumption to go out and start their own gym. Um, what we do is, so we have our CrossFit program. That's kind of our Gen Pop program that most people kind of fall into as they join the gym, but we've had... Sure, it uh, serves in a lot of places. It serves as the draw, certainly. Right, yeah, because and we've got, at any given time, we have anywhere between 30 to 45 people in a dedicated starting strength program um, that Jeremy and Margie primarily teach. So, I don't know, five years ago maybe, at least, we, dis we needed to diversify our offerings. So a lot of CrossFit gyms just have CrossFit. They offer a CrossFit program, maybe personal training. Um, and, you know, we saw the demo, we saw people who, A, weren't strong enough, or B, just wanted to do a strength program, a barbell strength program. And what it's done is allowed us to not only diversify our offerings, but provide an outlet for people who would have left CrossFit anyway, or left, you know, one of the other programs right. that we yeah, have. As a, as a retention method, certainly. It's a, yeah, it's huge. And we have people in the beginning, we thought of it as something like, okay, well, if someone's going to go you know, into this process, they would do eight week cycles. They're going to do, you know, one or two cycles and then maybe they'll come back to the gym. And we do have people who go back and forth between the two programs. But we have a, a huge handful of people who just live in the strength program. And um, it's been hugely successful for us. And also for, for Jeremy and Margie as coaches, you know, the, the majority of their income comes from those programs. And it's sort of a gym within a gym, you know, or a program within a larger program. And that's been a hugely beneficial thing. And, uh, you know, I've written about it on, on Inside the Affiliate, but if anybody out there is curious about how to get this thing started, how we structure it, how we price it, how we work it out logistically, I'm always more than happy to talk to anybody and and offer complete transparency about what we do and how we do it and what works and what maybe doesn't work. Um, because it's just, it it's a no-brainer. Once you start adding this stuff to your, to your gym, you know, you only increase your membership. Well, and Jeremy and Margie are very good at this, and it's, uh, it's, they're critical. That quality of coaching is critical to any type of program like this that any gym uh, contemplates adding to the, to the lineup. You can't just tell two CrossFit certified coaches, now you're, now you're the strength coaches. They just they won't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy and Margie have had a long association with us and have been, uh, 
to the seminar several times and are, are, are good friends and are, are, are excellent coaches. And uh, David is making good use of them. Dave, uh, we appreciate your being on the, on the program today. Thanks for joining us. What is the uh, – let, let's let's let you uh, you you mentioned uh, inside the box. What is the website? So inside the affiliate inside the affiliate rather affiliate. Yeah, I like that word much better. What yeah. is? I don't call it a box. I own a gym, not a box. Right, right. The uh, uh, and this is where you blog about about uh, management and professional issues, right? Yeah, so the I tried to create the resource that I wish I had when I was starting mm-hmm. my gym. I started the gym in a park. And then I was there for a couple of months, and I was in a rented space, and then we've expanded to our current space, and then we doubled in size last year. Um, and a lot of the business advice that's out there is how to secure leads, how to, mm-hmm. how to increase your conversion rate, Safe. how to you know, maximize your visibility in the community. As right. terms of the- Sales and marketing stuff. Sales and marketing, which I've had no interest in ever. What I was interested in, how do I run an effective and efficient class? How do I triage someone who's got a herniated disc and I've never worked with that before? How do I start a strength program within my gym, whatever the case might be? So what I try to do is just kind of give it out there. And, and, and I've had a lot of people um, you know, in the fitness community within CrossFit and starting strength be really generous with their with their knowledge and information. And, and I've been trying to reciprocate that. and. You know, it's been going pretty well. We've got quite a bit, of, quite a high readership there, even though I've been a little bit quiet on it lately. Um, we're still getting pretty significant traffic. What's the URL for that, for that blog? InsideTheAffiliate.com. InsideTheAffiliate.com. And your regular website is CrossFitSouthBrooklyn.com? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you guys check those two out. And uh, if you are within Uber distance of, of David, I think you're foolish if you don't go down there and at least uh, see what he's doing. It may be your new gym in New York City. David, thanks for being with us. Sure appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. We'll see you next time.